Hello and welcome to another episode of the LV426 Degrees of Alien, a podcast covering all of the ins and outs of the Alien franchise. And today I am joined by Jason. Hello, Jason. Oh, hello, hello. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, you made the unfortunate choice of uh, agreeing to be the co-host now. <laughs> yes. Um, unfortunate for who? The listeners or for uh, Oh, no, no. It's going to be for you. Uh, <laughs> I, I would say um, you've podcasted with me enough to know that um, uh, you're going to go to some painful places. Uh, I Yeah, I live there, for it. <laughs> there's no uh, stone left unturned even if they are in a dumpster. So uh, just be prepared. Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah. So last week we did just kind of jump right in with just, uh, you know, a, a Predator video game with alien inspirations. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, maybe we should have an episode talking about what other things are kind of eligible and, uh, you know, not just... It's not a video game podcast. Let's put it that way. <laughs> oh, I, I thought it was a podcast about um, uh, stereotypical Italian Americans fighting the Predator. I thought that's what this podcast now, was now, about. Jason. It was stereotypical every race fighting the Predator. <laughs> Please. Oh, was that what we're doing? <laughs> equal Equal Opportunity Offender podcast. Yeah, gonna, oh God, <laughs> we're, we're going to go into the histories of every offensive stereotype explored in Predator Concrete. Jungle. Oh, it'll be a long podcast series. Long podcast. But no, uh, today we're specifically going to be talking about things that have directly inspired alien films. And this is not going to be us going into depth about any of these topics, more of introducing you the many, many different realms of inspiration held in, in, in this one film and all of the sequels as well. I would imagine we are probably going to... Um, I didn't get a lot of Alien Resurrection specifically because I know that Jean-Pierre Genet brings a lot of his own style into that movie. So that will be something that would definitely be talked about. Uh, most of what I have is stuff from Alien, Aliens, and then the two prequel prequel movies as far as some of the, the bigger topics that i'm going to be discussing was yeah. there anything that you're kind of bringing to the table that well no I, I would just say i think of this particular podcast as a very sloppy lazy table of contents for the remainder of this podcast in a way in a way and not, i'm just saying hey, listen you can't cover everything here you know what yeah, i mean we're yeah, gonna learn we, new things too you know yeah i know we, i am we will definitely yeah. be unearthing things as we go on as yeah. as is kind of typical with doing a podcast like this you you start with what you think the podcast is going to be and as it grows things get interesting and things change i sort of suggested we do this episode of a podcast i actually really wanted to do this because I'll be honest, Alien, love Alien, you know, with all my heart and soul, but I sort of, for me, sort of treat it like, I think a lot of people treat the Beatles in the sense that it's like, okay, yeah, it's great, but I don't really think that much about Alien. I sort of take it for granted. Do you know what I mean? I don't know what you mean because I started this podcast, Jason. Oh, well, yeah. Well, I mean, but like, I, I think it's just one of those things that's been in my psyche since I was a little child. Like, it's just something I've taken for granted as being great without actually, you know, I think the thing you think about Alien is like, oh, it's a a perfect haunted house movie, but it's so much more than that. You know what I mean? And I think I just, I I think I just 
take it for granted at that level, right? Like I watch it and I enjoy it, but there's so many layers to the references and things in the alien universe that I sort of like take a nod towards and like, oh yeah, of course, great. But I never really spent the time and energy. So this is going to be me getting schooled as, as often happens by Andrew um, about the alien universe. And I look forward to like learning things that I've taken for granted, you know? Yeah, no, of course, of course. Um, probably to just start off this podcast, just start the base. Probably talk about the film inspirations for that first movie of of Alien. So, have you seen uh, a lot of fifties sci fi? A lot. I mean, I think that's a sliding scale. Probably more than the average person, but not as much as I would have liked to have seen. You know what I mean? So, right. Oh, no, no. That's, um, of course. I think uh, that's worry, always... You'll get, you'll, you'll get the chance. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm aware. Um, and I'm looking forward to that, right? Like, I think, um, especially, you know, I, I, I've i seen I've seen some stuff, and I've probably seen some stuff that I don't even register having seen, just having watched it on TV or whatever. Yeah, that's, that's um, probably a, a, a big part of of that cultural osmosis. Uh, and yeah. I, I would definitely say that that's a lot of where some of the inspirations for that original alien came from is just the fact of monster kids, that generation of kids in the fifties who grow up, grew up with the, the rights. So it's, it's, it's as someone with five children, they're all monster kids. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> oh God. let's be honest. Uh, no, but the, the monster kid generation is really from that birth of the mm-hmm. cable boom. And it's really the reason why Halloween looks how it looks is pretty much because of early cable deals and essentially universal sold their big original all their original classic thirties monster movies to television for a very cheap price. And this was before the days of there being too much. (laughs) We live in an era where there's too much television. Nobody anywhere is not having enough things to air on their screens. Um, But in the birth of television, it really was the idea of, okay, we have like a few programs, but there was a lot of space to fill as they kind of figured out what television was going to look like. And so because of that, a lot of like movie packages got sold into early cable. And a lot of that was from the classic Universal monster movies and movies of that ilk, uh, not even from Universal, just, you know, that that classic era of black and white monster movies. Mm -hmm. Sometimes these were, you know, they they were hosted by people, uh, but a lot of times it was just they, they needed to fill in blocks of programming and 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 because of that they they also were pretty cheap to pick up for just reshowing so there was a lot of new um like old classic theaters that would air uh old monster movies and have like a matinee and have everything like that as well and serials and, and that kind of thing serials had a big effect on Star Wars, which I think is one of the things that nobody really... Like, Star Wars is another thing that is now such a cultural juggernaut that nobody really goes back to kind of, like, dissect the pieces that makes out Star Wars. And I think that's a really interesting thing to do. And so, speaking of Star Wars, Star Wars was a big inspiration for the look of that original Alien film. So that the way the Alien looks in this lived-in universe was because, uh, you know, Ridley Scott didn't want to make it just like a 
brand everything was brand spanking new and everything was all shiny so star wars was a big influence for the original alien as far as the look goes and also you know this is 79 or alien and star wars 77 completely changed the cinematic landscape as far as being interested in big budget sci-fi again and I don't know if this is apocryphal, but I've always heard that, like, they basically were like, um, the producers were basically like, uh, Ridley Scott, go make us a Star Wars, right? And he came uh, yeah, back with Alien. I... I've heard that. I don't know. I've never read it or seen it sourced anywhere, but that's always, like, what I've heard. And then, you know, if that's true and he comes back with Alien, oh, that's fucking batshit. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, see, that's, yeah, that's interesting because, you know, Dan O'Bannon is a big part of, of the original alien and i think in a lot of ways dune the jodorowsky version of dune do you know that story yes Uh, i do i'm a huge jodorowsky fan so nice nice so uh alejandro jodorowsky is a very unique filmmaker (laughs) um to 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 put it lightly and um i love the man was interested in making a movie out of dune a Mm -hmm. classic (laughs) sci-fi novel and this brought together so many disparate um, creative elements in a way that was never going to work, but was such an interesting dream. All of these people got together, and part of that was hooking up, like, H.R. H. Geiger, who mm. was the the artist who just, you know, if you know anything about Alien, you know about Geiger. I don't know. I call him Geiger. I think it's Geiger. I, it's probably Geiger. I've never heard any. It's pro, it's probably correct, but I've always heard Geiger. No, he's <laughs> Swiss. Um, so it's probably Geiger. That probably is more correct. But you know. yeah. So yeah, I, I'm gonna say Geiger just because I do believe it's HR Geiger. I don't I don't know why I was saying Geiger before, but anyways, it's it's kind of give and take. I'll I'll figure out how to do it eventually. Uh, but yeah. So he his art was very influential as far as Alien goes, and he was doing a lot of art for, uh, you know, Dune. And then Dune fell apart, but Dune had also brought in Dan O'Bannon, and that's kind of where a lot of these people met uh, on that that area, <laughs> on mm-hmm. that film that was born to just go away and, and never never see the light of day. But e- even people like Chris Foss and uh, John Mobius, uh, who are other great uh, concept artists, were also kind of united on that that particular film. And I believe that was basically like someone was trying to do that because of Star Wars, right? Because I don't think anyone would even be thinking about Dune without Star Wars to like adapt Dune because it's not. And, they, and they're still trying to Star Warsify Dune. It's not ever going to work, but they're still trying to do it. If Jodorowsky had just hired Timothy Chalamet, he would have had his vision on screen. That's all, you know? <laughs> Yeah, no, of course, of course. Timothy Chalamet just goes back in time, uh, saves Jordi Oxy's Dune. Oh, that would God. kill Alien and kill us. So I'm not, oh, I'm not for that ultimate universe. Fuck. <laughs> but but the the other thing about what O'Bannon really brings to the table is his own health issues because he had Crohn's disease, and one of the things about Crohn's disease is that it's like a lot of like indigestion problems. So there are like stories uh, like J.W. Winsler has this great book called like The Making of Alien. And there's these great stories of like, well, not great for him, but, you know, it, you can see that <laughs> where things like the chest burster comes from, because there's stories about him just like laying on a friend's couch and like just in pain and not able to like sleep or do anything. And just these the indigestion and the, the 
the body fighting against him and causing him pain. And you can see a lot of that in the biggest scene in, in Alien, which is that chestburster scene. And that really, mm-hmm. the, really the big inspiration for that is Dan O'Bannon's own health issues. <laughs> but um, O'Bannon brought in a lot of those classic sci-fi elements that we were kind of talking about before. So It, The Terror from Beyond Space. Have you seen It, The Terror from Beyond Space? I have not. No. That is the most probably one-to-one comparison that most people make as far as like a big, big influence for the original Alien. And that is, it's basically kind of a very similar plot structure. Not None of the characters, or none of the, I wouldn't even say the environments, the creature doesn't look anything like Alien. But it is a group of astronauts go to a, a planet, a monster gets on board and starts taking out the crew one by one. And it really is one of the very first examples of the, the alien gone amok in a spaceship. And that is a very big influence on Alien, uh, obviously. And, and that's been stated multiple times in, in interviews and the like. The one that I think kind of gets a little bit underplayed, like I don't think is as knowledgeable, is Morio Bava's Planet of the Vampires. Mm-hmm. And that one I have seen. And that one, I think the most obvious connections can be made to yeah. <laughs> to Alien in the fact of there is a moment where they go into a spaceship on this planet and it has a giant skeleton on it. And the right. giant skeleton is never like explained. It's never really brought up to. It's just a, a thing just that exists. Just fucking rules. You know? Yeah. Just fucking yeah, rules. I, That's why it's I, there. <laughs> that'd have been great if one of the characters turned to the other one and said what is that it doesn't matter fucking rules that's why it's there <laughs> but planet of vampires is about a planet full of vampires so like it's really yeah. it's really the combination between those two that are the the most commonly uh expounded upon influences and with that also comes john carpenter john carpenter comes into the mix and you know why john carpenter comes in the mix dark star yes i i was aware of that and uh, again a sci-fi film with a <laughs> kind of a, a wacky plot mm-hmm. it is it's got more of a comedic tone to it i've never I, seen it I, by I the believe. way i've and never seen john carpenter's dark star i'm i yeah. i'm trying to figure out, i i'm pretty sure i've seen dark star i've definitely seen the creature in dark star which is basically a giant beach ball that kills people <laughs> Um, it, it's kind of amazing. <laughs> um, and also, there's also been people who d- less direct these influences, but people mm. have stated that they think like Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1956, Forbidden Planet, which is a which is one of the greatest sci-fi films from that era yes, of yeah. all time. And that's from 1954, I believe. I believe Forbidden Planet's 1954. Uh, the thing for the... The Thing from Another World, which is 1951, which would later be remade by John Carpenter into The Thing. Uh, so that was a movie that John Carpenter had loved for ages. So I'm pretty sure that had some influence. Breaking news, Forbidden Planet was from 1956. Get your shit straight. Oh, God. 1956. No. Forbidden Planet is great, by the way. Forbidden Planet is great. It's great, and um, a weird, a weird one. Texas Chainsaw Massacre had a had an influence. Mm. I had never, I never knew that until I was doing some reading. Interesting. And the pretty much the the admitting that like they were allowed to kind of like oh, 
they can go there now. Like they can do things that they weren't able to do and, and push the genre elements a little bit farther to, to make it horror and not fail at the box office or not be uh, untenable. (laughs) You know what I mean? Oh, and also 2001, a space Aussie, but fuck Kubrick. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that is a really good film. That is a really good film. That Um, is a very good film. I think, I think one of those things like, um, they didn't like, that was obviously an influence, but they, because obviously there's a lot, there's, you know, spoilers for Alien, if you're listening to the podcast, uh, there are uh, tricksy uh, AIs. Uh, <laughs> can't true. trust the AIs in Alien. True. Um, but Very true. I think they wanted to take the lived-in aspect of Star Wars and kind of mix it with, with that, that world of 2001 A Space Odyssey with trying to flesh out real characters. So those I are actually, kind of the big movie influences. Hot take. I actually think Alien, the Alien world, does a much better job of subtle world building than Star Wars. But we'll um, well, maybe that's uh, a hot take. No, that's not really a hot take. That's, <laughs> that's a that's mediocre. A, it's a lukewarm take. Yeah, yeah. No, okay. that's just a, a, a lukewarm take. I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> <think it's laughs> um, I want to bring something else up. I don't know if we've ever talked about this. We may have. Um, but um, also, David Cronenberg claims that um, his nineteen seventy five film Shivers, um, was ripped off by Alien with the chestburster scene. So oh, in yes. his, I think you, I think you mentioned that. You so I thought the clip. Yeah, from yeah, yeah. Um, I've it, never, it's absolute never seen... poppycock. If you yeah, ask me, especially but... given the the fact that like you know, Dan O'Bannon had fucking Groves disease, my man. Like <laughs> that's that's what inspired the chestburster scene. And David <laughs> Cronenberg was... has um narcissism disease, but that's but that's a that's a different story. Um, to be yeah. fair, uh, that gives us an excuse to talk about shivers, and I'll take it. Yeah. Okay. Um. <laughs> You know, I you know I've seen that movie many times, but like it, it it's it's very interesting. Um, it, there is a scene that makes sense, and it's you know hard to argue. Cronenberg is the master of body horror, and definitely Alien is a body horror film in some definitely. ways, definitely. right? I I, so, I wouldn't be surprised if there. I, I would imagine there are connections to be made. Uh, it's not that it's like, you know, yeah, but it's it, also like totally plausible that you know O'Bannon had the bubble guts and was like I have an idea you know what I mean because he had Crohn's disease you know what I mean yeah yeah that's totally plausible that he could come up with that without seeing fucking shivers you know (laughs) exactly exactly so and then the other movie that has a big influence is Ridley Scott's directorial debut The Duelist that's the other movie thing that comes in. Mm. And the main inspiration from that is that that's based off of a Joseph Conrad story. And as we get into some of the various uh, like literary inspirations for mm. Alien, um, we will obviously bring up that name. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, I, I, I just want to reference that um, a lot of these uh, little tidbits and information are from, you know, books like J.W. Winsler's book, which I will put in the show notes, his amazing Making of Alien book. But also there are a variety of uh, very, very interesting, very intelligent uh, stories uh, written by uh, various online sources, uh, specifically one that I want to point out is getting into the literary adaptations 
is something that I had never heard of. And this actually comes straight from uh, The Verge by, with an article by uh, Andrew Liptak, who is talking about eight stories you should check out after watching Alien Covenant. You know, one of those lists. Those lists come come and go all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Like those, those are the kind of lists that, like, you know, if you work in, <laughs> in these things, you, you go, oh, okay, you have to do this. But he brings up something that I had just flat out had never, ever heard of. Um, and that was A.E. Van Voigt's The Voyage of the Space Beagle. It's a interesting. An interesting title. But it, that's a short story collection of Van Voigt's. And the 1939 story, which is the first story in this collection, mm-hmm. called Black Destroyer, which has a bunch of similarities to Alien the the story as as it is on screen and it's reported that he sued 20th century fox for plagiarism and eventually it was settled out of court hmm. i had never heard of uh, of this and i actually have a few of van voigt's books um he was very pulpy he's like a very big pulp writer um and i had never heard that story because i was uh, very so interesting was very, yeah i was very interested about that so we will eventually talk I'm about assuming, that story and i'm assuming the space beagle is a reference to um a, a reference to the ship right did you you know that no i don't know I, oh what? the beagle was um um i have a dog it's a dog, no. Uh, no, 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 no. It's Charles Darwin's ship was the Beagle. Oh. So I'm hey. assuming um, that's what it's around. So must maybe something genetically involved in that story? Or... Yeah, it's like a science expedition yeah. type of story. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's interesting. Another uh, literary reference uh, that he cites in this article and then I like I kind of see, but I don't know. H.P. Uh, Lovecraft's at the Mountains of Madness, mm-hmm. which is which is interesting, um, and, and I can see that. I mean, it, yeah, it, it, you know, it, there's. A I lot mean, if you think of, of the um, aspects of the beast itself, the being the perfect beast, and all of those things, then I can see that, right? This sort of existential dread that wafts through Alien. Do you know what I mean? Um, yes. yes. That you know, it, it feels like it is a greater entity than man. You know what I mean? A perfect organism, as um, Ash says, right? He says it's a perfect yep. organism, yep. and he, you know. So I think maybe that's where that comes in. You know what I mean? I don't know. I guess we'll yeah, talk about. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. I am. I am sure that comes into play um especially and we know how much hp lovecraft loved big, eugenics big, big fan of eugenics hp lovecraft <laughs> noted piece of shit uh just just so you know uh it, it'll be interesting uh, to talk about him. someone who has like surpassed his level of shittiness and just is now a common phrase for vernacular like lovecraftian is just a thing now mm-hmm. and i it's just and every time someone picks it up and they go holy shit this thing is reaping with racism <laughs> <My> jumping Jehoshaphat. <laughs> i freaking read one of those i had like a, a short story collection the other month that had like a freaking story by hp lovecraft and it just the racism just comes out of nowhere oh like yeah it just hits you it oh hits yeah you like a ton of bricks you're just like whoa whoa dude whoa dude uh chill 
chill. <laughs> you just want to go back in time and be like, can you not do this? Yeah. I read The Reanimator, and um, <laughs> let's just say- The Reanimator, much different than the movie. The much way. different than the movie, and uh, at one point, a person of color does come into play, and- <laughs> Never a good side of an H.P. Lovecraft No, story. and the descriptions are just horrifying. And I almost like threw the book down. I was like, what the fuck? It's a, anyway. that's, a, that's a kind of horror. That is a kind of horror. Uh, <laughs> I was watching a great YouTube video. Um, there's a, a gentleman who on uh, YouTube called, who's his name Juan by Plague by Visions. And they, <laughs> this is an aside, but they uh, someone was asking him a question and they asked him, it was like, oh, if you could have any dinner with anyone, like who would it be like who was dead? And he said, oh, I just want to make H.P. Lovecraft really uncomfortable to <laughs> dinner with that. And he's like, it'll be, guess who's coming to dinner but me and Lovecraft. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. That's, that was uh, Okay, very, and for all those people who are very upset right now, you know, I know he and his, are slamming their fists down. Who? Um, I don't know. There's Who? people. There's people that slam their fists down. Um, we know. I we're well aware that he recanted some stuff later in life. We are well aware. Okay, we know. It's okay. All right. No, put, it's, put, it's put, not put, okay. Anyways, put, <laughs> I mean, it'll be okay. Yeah, it'll be okay. Oh, you'll um, be okay. That's fine. Uh, but anyways, I think there's no discussion. Uh, and he's dead now, so you know, whatever. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> he's dead. May he rest in piss. Yeah. Um. <laughs> So those are some of the big literary references. And the one that I, I, we alluded to and one of the biggest ones is Joseph Conrad. Now, there is pretty much like a, a tradition in the Alien franchise to name spaceships after characters or ships or story elements from Joseph Conrad's novels and short stories so you know the the biggest one is nostromo which is mm -hmm. a direct reference to uh joseph conrad's novel of the same name in the the spaceship is the narcissus uh which is like the which do you think from that yeah yeah i know do you think uh, hp lovecraft read the title to that book just over and I'm over sure, again to himself i'm sure he did i'm sure he did uh you should look that up um but we're gonna only call it the children of the sea which is its more common name now uh we don't talk about the other parts um in aliens uh this is one of the only times literary things come up with the cameron movie is uh, the Salako, which is named after a, a town in nostromo mm -hmm. In Alien 3, there's even uh, a U.S. Uh, something called the Patna, which is hmm. a ship in the novel Lord Jim. Oh, and nice. So, I've yeah. read Lord Jim. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, you have like even you have video games that that bring it in. Um, there's a character named Kurtz in, in one of the, the novels. Oh, nice. Sweet. Yeah. 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 So th they really do continue using uh, using this idea. And it, it's it, it really it really is kind of funny. It's like a a, a really cool in joke. Yeah. Um, and it got to the point where so, later down the line, so like in Alien Isolations, uh, there's the USCSS Torrens, which is named after a real life ship that Conrad mm. served on. So like they get progressively like kind of deeper and deeper references as they kind of go on <laughs> through this. And I thought that was really, really kind of and, fun. Um, um, and you, you just didn't say it, but Kurtz, of course, um, being a character from um, Heart of Darkness, which also Apocalypse Now is based on, right? 
Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. Which is an excellent book. I hope we read that as well. Yes, yes, for sure. Yeah. We will definitely, we'll definitely read that and definitely kind of explore a lot of his work and see if, and see if the references come deeper than just the names of the ships. I think that would be something that would be really interesting to, to, to mm. see, especially the, the Narcissus, which is the, after the children of the sea and the other name, which we are not speaking out loud, um, does have some pointed references to like plague and stuff like that. And sure. The plot yeah. is, is, is very similar to um, the, the potentials of, of alien, <laughs> you, you know, you know, violating quarantine procedures. You know what I mean? That yeah. is a lot of that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. And that's like all of that stuff <laughs> mm-hmm. in uh, aliens. The only big one that I had with aliens that I wanted to mention or that, that just popped up for me was uh, Starship Troopers, which Starship Troopers, the book by Robert Heinlein, is a very different beast than the movie. Paul Verhoeven's film version of Starship Troopers fucking rules is amazing, um, and and it's my understanding that it's almost a parody of the book. It is. Um, I've read Starship Trooper. Um, Robert Heinlein was. Um, it is one of my father's favorite authors. I've read many. Highland books and short stories. He's actually probably my gateway to sci-fi. Um, but yes, he's also sort of a fascist. Um, and Starship Troopers is that, right? Like, it's pro-military, pro... You know what I mean? Um, yeah, which, if you've seen Starship like... Troopers, the movie, it's a parody of that. It, it, you know, Verhoeven brilliantly inverts that into the story and makes a mockery of that, you know? Yeah, no, of course, of course. Um, and it, and it's really interesting uh, in that regard um, because the Cameron really took the like idea and the design of the Marines from that book and uh, apparently made everyone on the set actually like read the book to kind of figure out what it's like to be in oh interesting. The um, and it was apparently a big influence on on you know just the design aesthetics that he wanted to bring to to aliens and the design aesthetic of aliens like everything about aliens itself is one of the most influential films of all time just in terms of like video games and also any any future sci-fi anything really takes especially a lot action sci-fi yeah you know? yeah action sci-fi but like literally uh, there's an argument to make be made that I don't think there's any piece of media more influential to the success of video games than Aliens. Um, and uh, that that makes would be sense. a very interesting yeah. thing to talk about because, you know, from the more obvious things like Halo to um, to things like... Um, Even Doom, like, probably. Doom. Oh, huge, huge yeah. amounts of stuff in Doom. And, uh, yeah, so there's a lot in there and just the designs of, uh, of villains and people you kill in, in various video games very... i mean they've been making that game over and over again both of our entire lives you know what i mean they've basically just been remaking doom over and over again with with people or um aliens or um just people you know for oh, yeah. our entire lives yeah and it's funny because one of the interesting things about aliens history in video games is that the, the way that we play video games now, especially first-person shooters, um, the, the way of, like, controlling the camera and, like, actually moving and being not in that Doom 
perspective, right? Sure. The, third person. The more, yeah. Yeah. The third, the well, no, no, no. First person, but like you'd be able to like move up and down. Like it's not just you. Ro- ro- sure. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I got what you said. There's like more like you can move characters in all different sets and, and, and variations. Well, Alien Resurrection, the video game for PlayStation 1, was one of the first video games to ever have that control system. And Oh, interesting. And this is the way that we all play first-person shooters nowadays. And it's very funny looking at old reviews because those old reviews will be like, oh, this this is a dumb way to play. No one would ever play the like, what? This is stupid. And they <laughs> knock it for its control system. And the control system is how we just play every first-person shooter nowadays. Like all the Call of Duties, all everything um, utilizes a, a thing that was that was brought to uh, us in Alien Resurrection of, of all games. Interesting. I don't know if that was the first, but it was one of the first. So sure. it was very early in that that thing. So I might have to do some more research to make sure. I don't want to make any definitive statements. <laughs> We're all living and we're all le- learning, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? Wow, wow. That's, that's we... deep. Wow. <laughs> that's deep. And aside from that, I don't have any other alien-specific references for, like, literature um, other than some of the other stuff we've already talked about. Because, like, I know the Vietnam War was a big influence on aliens, and James Cameron uh, basically wrote a Vietnam film and then <laughs> changed it about, to be about aliens. Like, <laughs> a lot of uh, aliens has is, is got its its foot in the door to uh, to that. And, you know, oh, a lot of... Interesting. Well, so, so, yeah, it's kind of problematic well, to be like, I, let me swap out the vehicle no, for aliens. <laughs> yeah, I didn't say it was great. I didn't say it was great. I didn't say I Yikes. say this is a good thing. I stand by the choices made. But uh, he was writing like a a lot of uh, Vietnam stuff, so yeah, had an influence. <laughs> but um, other than that, not a whole lot of literature. If you know Cameron, I I don't think he's gonna be pulling any deep uh, literature references. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Cameron, I don't. You know, I can't see him being much of. Yeah, maybe, maybe he is. Maybe we're short selling Jim Cameron. You know, it's true. It's true. I maybe mean, like, he reads all the fucking time. You don't know. He could. He could. I I I just don't think that he was te- for Alien specifically. I don't think there was a lot of literary things being pulled out, mm. other than from sci-fi and, and Robert Heinlein. I mean, he's got to do something in between the fucking fifteen years between each Avatar movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. I guess he's got he's got a lot of rendering to wait wait, wait on. So he just sits down and waits to see what what old good old. Jake he's actually Sully finished all of next. those movies. He's just waiting for them to fucking render on his <laughs> iMac. On his iMac, just Oh god! Oh god! And then Alien Three and Alien Resurrection. I don't have a whole lot. Um, I again, like I said. Alien Resurrection would have quite a bit in terms of understanding where John Pierre Genet is coming from and his yeah. specific brand of, of filmmaking uh, is definitely influential. So a whole bunch of French cinema is undoubtedly influential in to Alien Resurrection. It's just less chronicled uh, as far as knowing the exacts uh, in that regard. So. There is definitely stuff to talk about in, in terms of, of that. Yeah, um, we're going to be watching a lot of French cinema in the future. You know what I mean? We'll Jules get there. Jules and Jim's baby. Yeah. Jules and Jim. Let's talk about how it, <laughs> weekend. <laughs> we're doing it all. We're going there. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the French New Wave for 
10 episodes. I have a feeling still listening. I have a feeling there's a lot in Alien Resurrection because him he is a, as a director does really you know wear a lot of influences um and he's a very creative director, you know. I I, I know that film is uh, much maligned, right? Um I like it, but yes. For, yeah, but it is much maligned though, right? Like a lot of people hate that movie. Um and I do think it's silly in some ways, but it is a crazy movie with a lot of things going on in it, right? Yeah. So I kind of um, and and Alien Three, right? I think is also a film that's much maligned or less maligned, obviously, than Resurrection, but also is not thought of very highly, which I think is a, a very good film. Um, I uh, I actually in my rankings, I think it's second, Alien and Alien Three. Interesting. I I, I am at the point where. I, I just find it more an intellectually stimulating film. And and mm. as I say that, everyone unsubscribes to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking um, nerd. It's nerd. Just, excuse me. Uh, I know you but, like your guns, but this is just more uh, in, you know, intellectually stimulating for me. You know, that's what's that's what's happening on this podcast right now. Um don't make me take <laughs> but, don't make me make don't make me be the meathead on this podcast, all right? Because I will do it. But Alien 3 does have some uh, literary connections in who wrote the various scripts, the unused scripts for Alien 3. Yeah. There are a lot, ranging from real good to what the fuck were you thinking, Eric Red? Um, (laughs) Some of them are real wild and real bad but William Gibson uh did a lot uh, uh is the one who's the most famous for his unused mm-hmm. Alien 3 scripts and there were two drafts of that and both drafts have been adapted in secondary media so there has been a audible adaptation that actually has like Lance Henriksen and brings back like Word. Michael Bean and it adapts the unused script for Alien 3 the second draft by William Gibson and there was also a comic book that adapted that second draft and just last year Pat Cadigan who is a very very famous uh writer in in sci-fi and and steampunk and everything like that adapted William Gibson's first draft into a really really good uh book so they had a book that came out nice. which was based on the unproduced screenplay so William Gibson has a a big influence right now on the the continuity of Alien because things that were introduced in those two scripts uh so the UPP which are uh, honest to God, the UPP are basically just space Russians. Um, those William Gibson drafts <laughs> are basically like capitalists versus communists in space. Right. Um, they I, they are quite good. I do like I, what he did. With also, them, William Gibson just fucking rocks. You know. Yeah, right? they're not. They're not even even Gibson fans don't rank these scripts as highly um, as, as some do. But I I do think they're they are good and they have a lot of interesting things to mm-hmm. to talk about. But things like the UPP have now been brought into Alien canon via the Alien RPG because the Alien uh-huh. RPG like took all a bunch of things that were unused and and kind of rewoved it back into continuity via the alien rpg nice yes i know everyone right now is like mm, you fucking nerd and i'm like yeah that's right i'm a fucking nerd deal with it, bitch <laughs> i think they figured that out when you fucking ranked alien 3 above aliens <laughs> yeah. um uh, uh aliens is good 
despite me wanting to not say it's good every time i watch it i'm like no this is a great movie i can't i can't say aliens is bad. you really <laughs> want to though because you fucking hate jim cameron this is uh this is this is a man that um hates t2 as well so just to, i do just not a, hate whoa, whoa, just whoa, whoa, a, do not just, just i do not hate terminator 2 I just, just have to think Terminator 3 public is better. Serv- no, just Terminator 3 is better? <laughs> just I that fucking love joke. it. That was a joke. I love it. Um, <laughs> I, I love the original Terminator. Terminator is one of my favorite movies of all time. I like Terminator better than Terminator 2 as well. Yeah, and that's by James Cameron. And so. I like Alien better than Aliens, you know? That's yeah, just yeah, who I, I am, you know? Yeah, that's, we're, we're, we're those guys. We're so. horror people. <laughs> but, we'll, you know, horror, the horror element, is it gets leaked out of um, T2 a little bit. And aliens, obviously, you know. So yeah, yeah, and I think I think that I I just have a preference for horror as a genre. So Me as well. That's yeah. probably why those get bigger, bigger things. Than that being said, else. I think T two is among the best action movies of all time. So T2 you know, is I will T two. I will good. I will defend it's it good. against Andrew's slander. It's a good. I didn't say it was a bad movie. Just so. <laughs> but Alien Three, uh, other than those scripts, Alien Three is very much um, a, a something that is on its own in a lot of ways. Like it's not, you know, David Fincher, it, once they finally got a script they, they liked, mm. which took forever. Um, David Fincher really kind of brought his own elements to that. And there's not like, it's a pretty original film. Like it's not that it's not breaking too much new ground per se, but I don't see anything that's, it's, I don't see it mirroring much is, is what I will say. I don't see, especially at the time. Right. Like yeah. I, I, I think, um, it's been a long time since I've seen Alien 3, and I look forward to revisiting it over this podcast. Um, I'm a huge Fincher fan. Um, I think he is one of our best living directors. Uh, and I, and, but I remember, like, this has a very unique visual style even then. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I think yeah. it um, really is informative to David Fincher's career as well, I feel like. Do you know? Yeah, um, yeah, and and one of the things that'll be fun for you now is that there is a much better cut of Alien Three that exists mm-hmm. now, which is the assembly cut, which isn't a director's cut, but does work off of the original scripts to make a quote unquote director's cut. Just basically, sure. um, basically there are things that were shot, but David Fincher had nothing to do with re- reassembling them. Um, so Got they, it. we call it the assembly cut, not the director's cut, kind of thing. So. Um, mm-hmm. But it is a really, really good uh, version of Alien 3. It's my preferred version of, of Alien 3. Uh, similar to the director's cut of, of Aliens, which is like... So we have a lot to talk about as far as different cuts go. But yeah. Yeah. Once you get the Alien Resurrection is when the franchise has existed for long enough that... Um, so yes, it was written by Joss Whedon. <laughs> um, who is uh yes there's many things to talk about joss whedon who's uh, uh-huh. be kind of a sex pest um and uh yeah but the he was the people have kind of thought that he might have been reading the comics to take some of the stuff like there was some, certain elements that might have been from the dark horse comics of the time so really when you reach uh, Alien Resurrection, there's almost like an Ouroboros effect where it's eating its own tail, and then it it's inspiring itself almost in a way. So it's not. Yeah. A, and and then there's you could totally ADP see. Films, which yeah yeah yeah. Have uh, no but you could totally see happen. for um uh for fucking Alien Resurrection that Joss Whedon was like actually John Pierre Jr. Have you read this comic where the alien? Uh, 
uh, does this. I, and you're he like, hates uh. he hates that movie because of like it it just doesn't it it does not care about his script and does it all its own thing and like <laughs> oh really? Thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, amazing. He hates, so he's he hates like, that movie. fuck this John Wheaton. This is Joss Wheaton. <laughs> I do not care for Joss Wheaton. I do not uh, care for Joss Wheaton. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that, that is very funny. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, Jean-Pierre does not care what Joss Wheaton thinks. <laughs> and the, the two AVP films are movies. Um, I've seen both I, of those movies. I, yes, well. I kind of enjoyed them, parts of them. Um, I remember one, and I don't know which one, being much better than the other one, and I don't remember... Uh, That's up to... for Okay, Okay. Uh, all right, I guess when we get to them, we'll debate it. But I just remember liking one a lot more than... And I want to say it was... I liked the second one more than the first one. I want to say... Maybe it's because you couldn't see anything? Oh, maybe. Because it was a very, very dark movie. Uh, You can't see very few things. And, you know, (laughs) there was a a really interesting uh, interview with... I believe it was like a d- director photographer of that movie. Uh, he he was on the podcast, the, the Alien vs. Predator Galaxy podcast, and they had an interview with him. And we quickly found out that like the reason why it's so dark is not because of them. Um, they had everything filmed with like perfect light to be like exactly where they wanted it. And then, um, unfortunately, uh, the studio went and darkened it all again. So they, had a very, they had a very specific like light level balance, and then the studio was just like, "Nah, we're just gonna put this dark." Gonna you know, you know, this film looks through. like shit. You know, what would make it look better if we couldn't see anything. <laughs> that would make this movie much better. <laughs> uh, but yeah, those are both taking from the comics again. Like a lot of that is from uh, the comics. Um, you know, AVP, uh, the comic books, which is which predates the movies by quite uh, quite a large margin. Um, there was definitely a lot of of those original comics in there, and uh, those comics launched. And I could be completely wrong. I'm asking the question. They launched because of the moment in Predator Two where he has the alien skull. Correct? Is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Like, so that. Was a, uh, well, I think I think that just kind of got it going. Right. Right. Like, right. I think, yeah, that that, that sparked of... the imagination of those two shared universes that just like on the whim of putting the alien skull there because it just seemed cool, right? Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Amazing. Yeah, yeah. No. And then for uh, it to become a movie, fran- uh, I think a relatively f- successful two films, right? And even if you couldn't see one, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're, yeah, they're, that's they're pretty relatively... amazing. Yeah, yeah. No, Because you sure. know that was just um, some art. You know, um, uh, you know, some um, someone from the art department that was like, "This would be cool. Let's just put this here," and it just like launches a comic book. There's probably some really fucking pissed off intern that decided to do that, who's never gotten the credit <laughs> for it. Who's fucking? So actually, um, I believe uh, the Alien vs Predator comic actually predates Predator Two. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, okay. they're same year, 1990. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, so... Same year. Yeah, so Predator 2 came out in November, and the first Alien vs. Predator story, um, which w- was in Dark Horse Presents number 36, which was released in January of 1990. So Same year, January to November? Yeah. But that um, film had to be in production before then, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I, I, That's I, I, interesting. 
yeah, it's it, it, it is kind of really hard to try to figure. We're out gonna exactly. crack that mystery on this podcast. Yeah, I'm making that promise right this minute. And Andrew, you better live up to it. Okay. I, I'm I'm like it, I mean I'm I'm sure I can just listen to a podcast but, where someone <laughs> already has the answer. So yeah. We know we're pretending like this is you know fucking uncovering a ancient <laughs> relic that nobody is discovered you know speaking of uncovering ancient relics that brings us right to our last two movies and uh let me tell you the bulk of our heady influences and that is prometheus and alien covenant Mm. ridley scott came back to the franchise and um he didn't want to do the franchise he wanted to talk about the engineers essentially yeah <laughs> and i i lo- i love i love the prequels so we we will have a very big discussion about the prequels obviously when we get to those movies in general i think prometheus um, has its problems um but i do like prometheus um alien covenant i think is an actually pretty rad um horror film do you know what i mean like i think it it does reintroduce that horror element and i really like that about that film um you know i I do um and and also prometheus has like really weird horror shit in it um yeah that i think works really well i just don't want to spend all the time that we fucking spend with the obsession with fucking you know god and god yeah no not the god stuff actually i'm sort of fine with um, it's more about the, like, the AI stuff. Like, I'm like, okay. Oh, you don't like David? David like... is just, I don't, I don't need David kissing himself. I don't, Oh, come you know... on, you do the fingering. <laughs> I, the do the fingering. I do the fingering. Yeah, I do the fingering. <laughs> I do the fingering. <laughs> that's a great scene. <laughs> uh, that's in Covenant, by the way, not Prometheus. Yes, 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 it is. It, it is. is. But um, it's, intro- that, that, like, the whole David thing is introduced in Prometheus, though, right? Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's where we get one of our one of the biggest uh, as far as film references in Prometheus is that he styles himself to look af- uh, look like the Lawrence of Arabia because uh, that film opens with him like watching that David Lean film mm-hmm. uh, Lawrence of Arabia um, which let me tell you some of the choices they made in that movie don't hold up today oh really <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah so that'd be fun to watch that movie a uh, very classic movie but um, <laughs> But uh, with, with Prometheus, some of the biggest things are, one, obviously the tale of Prometheus. Yes, the ancient tale of Prometheus, stealing, stealing fire from the gods, the, the ancient Greek legend, of course. But that goes into a whole bunch of other things because we have Frankenstein. And the original mm. title for Frankenstein, when it was first published, was Frankenstein or the Modern Prometheus. And... Of course, a lot of things with David is a lot of the topics and the idea discussed in the original Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. And the reason why Mary Shelley called it Frankenstein or the modern Prometheus is because she was with Percy Blythe Shelley and he had done a very famous story called Prometheus Unbound. So she was tying it into and and calling back to some of her influences from Percy, who she was with. Um, and then there's also a, a, a Lord Byron poem, uh, who is also really influential in, of course, uh, the making of the original Frankenstein. Um, and he has a story named uh, Prometheus as well. Poor John Polidari, the other man who was in that quartet, um, did not 
uh, sorry, it was in that quartet, <laughs> was in that quartet. Um, he wrote a very famous vampire story, but he didn't write anything called Prometheus. So Lord Byron and Percy Shelley and Mary Shelley have all have Prometheus names in their famous works, right? <laughs> sure. And it, that pulls over more to Alien Covenant, and there are a lot of really, really interesting articles out there about Alien Covenant. And I was reading stuff from, like, Philosophy Now magazine it has this great article about um, Alien Covenant, Covenant and how it talks about anti-humanism, rival of new gods, talks about madness, and all of these really intense things. There is a great article uh, by Hannah Searson from The Horror Obsessive, which talks about how Alien Covenant is a gothic piece. Like, it really is a gothic hmm. film. And one of the reasons and one of the elements of, of goth interesting elements in there is the idea that what is being quoted by David is in many ways a misinterpretation of, um, of various poems and Gothic literature. So the, the article is called the art of literary misinterpretation in alien covenant. And it's really talking about things like in that, in that movie, when David is like, you know, launching these, he's basically bombing a city he quotes uh, Ozymandias, um, which is a poem by Percy Shelley. Sure. Um, and he, in that poem, the poem is kind of like "Look upon, look upon my works and and despair" kind of thing. Like yep. that. Yep. In that poem, it is like it's kind of a cheeky reference. Like it's not meant to be serious because the way that poem is, is that he's like showing the ruins of, of everything like right it, it's, that poem is about how everything fails and how things fade away and it's being used here in the idea of like david does not understand the syntax or the subtleties in the tone of the poem yeah in the and poem that, ozymandias is calling himself king of kings but he's really king of nothing yeah right exactly that, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly and um, he, in that movie, when he's talking to Walter, which is his his other the other <laughs> the other robot that looks just like him, he misattributes the the Ozymandias poem um, and says that it was it, it was credit he credits to Byron instead of Percy Shelley, mm -hmm. and then he gets corrected uh, by Walter, and it's one of those things about like him not understanding and not getting into all of the elements um, of these specific poems and these very famous <laughs> works of art. And a lot of that is talking about how, like, you know, artificial intelligence cannot, how can artificial intelligence really truly understand humanity? And that's really what the entire, the entire movie's about, right? And this movie, uh, with all of its very obvious <laughs> inspirations, because uh, uh, there's a lot of, like, even the po poster for Alien Covenant is clearly inspired by, like, Gustave Doré mm -hmm. um, and a very specific, like, Gustave Doré painting um, that it's kind of meant to kind of be 
reference to and you know we got classical music like wagner uh entry of the gods into valhalla plays at one point and this this article that's really really good i will link it in the show notes pretty much says that the entire point of this <laughs> movie is it's like it's really is just talking about how people just quote things but don't understand them and talking about how the art doesn't have any meaning if you don't like have the context and uh, how a lot of people don't do the research to understand the, the intricacies holy of, shit of these things and and it, it to me i was like holy shit it this like that interpretation leads a lot more interesting credence to the era in which alien covenant comes out in because it's right near that big boom of mindless nostalgia and mindless pop culture references which is still going on which is still going on in the marvel I, universe yeah instance. yeah exactly and it, it almost makes alien covenant kind of a discussion about that in using these very interesting gothic inspirations and they, they bring up stuff like like the rhyme of the ancient mariner poem um a few other percy shelley poems we've got like Par paradise lost by john milton's um, and all of these it, big things in here, along with like talking about various types uh -huh. of the history of religions, psychology, Nietzsche, whole bunch of stuff in here. And, and, and they, they were talking about how all of these Gothic archetypes really come into play uh, in Alien Covenant, but it's kind of lost because it's a franchise movie. And I'm like, why did he put all this in a franchise movie? But... Well, yeah, I mean... Um... I mean, the Prometheus stuff, I think, you know, written um, largely or in part, you know, by Damon Lindelof loves to cram in all sorts of shit. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like loves yeah. to uh, and I'm a fan of Damon Lindelof, actually. I, I'm sort of a defender. Um, uh, but I see sometimes it gets too big for his britches. Do you know what I mean? Like he and I, I'd rather have that in. A, a creative is trying to do too much and sometimes overstepping and failing than yeah. tries to do too little. You know what I mean? And is yeah. lazy. Um, so, uh, you know, I think that, that, that sort of sets off the things in Prometheus that is continued in um, Covenant. Does that make yeah. sense? Yep. Um, you know, but, but, you know, the AI stuff I think is really interesting. Um, and there's so much we could do with that as well. I mean, even going back to like William Gibson, we could do Neuromancer or whatever oh, yeah. to talk oh, yeah. about and, those and things. And also, you know, you get like Philip K. Dick stuff because, you know, the uh, other big thing that, uh, you know, Ridley Scott really did that changed the world is is Blade Runner, right? And sure. there's a whole Which... history of cyberpunk and how it relates to the Alien franchise because it does relate, but it's almost like, it's in some interesting ways. Well, all the really Dick like. stuff, the Philip K. Dick stuff, is about what? Yeah, the Philip K. Dick stuff. Okay, um, is the is about who am I? Right, like yeah. who is a person? What makes a person a person? You know, and that and that really goes in line with the David stuff too. Like what makes yeah. him an individual? Um, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, um, and also, of course, uh, we can talk about John Denver because uh, you know. Take Me Home, Country Road plays in that movie. <laughs> John Denver? Uh, yeah, John Denver plays in that movie. John because De uh, John Denver? Country. Are you saying John Denver or John Denver? Denver. Denver. Oh, okay, okay. Country I was like, John Road. Denver? Yeah, well, I'm aware of the song. I thought you were calling <laughs> him John. 
I this is Stegen. I thought you were calling him John Denfer. Denfer. <laughs> yes, like, don't you know who about, the fuck like, is John Denfer? Don't you know about famous statistician <laughs> John Denfer? Denfer. Yeah, he sounds like a statistician. Yes. Uh, but yeah, for for whatever reason, um, in <laughs> there's like <laughs> they pick up uh, some John Denfer uh, because I believe. It is being sung by Elizabeth Shaw. Yeah, so Elizabeth Shaw, who uh, is Numi Rapace from Prometheus, mm-hmm. um, who has a bit more in, like, there's, like, some supplementary material I recently stumbled upon that actually has uh, more with her character in the, the world of Alien Covenant pre, like, us finding out what happened to her. Um, but, yeah, so she's singing uh, John Denver. So, yeah, we can, <laughs> John Denver. Uh, Denver. Denver. And uh, so, yeah, so we can have an entire discussion about Country Roads. So, uh, you know, talking about all of the very famous things. We're going to go through all of John Denver's, uh, you know, discography. That's Yeah, you know. of course. No, of yeah. course. Start Starting today, right now. Hello, welcome <laughs> to uh, the, the, jo- the, Den- the Denver cast. <laughs> the, Den- the country. <laughs> Hello and welcome. We're going to take you home through those country roads. Welcome Jesus. to the John Denver cast. But yeah, those are just kind of the big overviews of some of the influences specifically to the Alien movies. And of course, like one of the things that's kind of fun is that Alien, as it exists as a franchise, it just kind of the influences towards all those individual little bitty pieces of the franchise continue to expand and expand and expand. So talking about other works that people who have written Alien books have done, for example, it's like a thing. And, and there's still on IMDb another Alien movie coming out, right? Yes, Scott. yes, it's uh, just got we just got announced. We don't know much about it, um, but we do know it's Fetty Alvarez uh, directing it, and he directed. Mm. Oh, that's right, Evil yes. Dead remake. Um, so mm-hmm. we've we see how that is. So and there's I don't also know the is, Alien television series that's on the horizon from. Noah is that Hollywood. still going on? Was that Neil oh, yeah. Blomkamp? Uh, no, or is no, no, he no, gone? No, 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 no. Neil Blomkamp uh, has the unproduced Alien Five, which we'll eventually oh, talk about. Um, okay, okay, gotcha. But yeah, no, it's uh, it's Noah Hawley, and it's oh like, yes, okay. They are finishing up a season of Fargo, and then next year they're starting to film the Alien television. Very series. exciting. Okay. Very interested to see that, and then also we do have we. Th- I think it's going to be in the summer. Like I think maybe like July or August. Um, maybe sometimes in twenty twenty three. We do have a new Predator film coming out. Uh, Damn. Prey, which is going straight to Hulu. Um, that's a great sign. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's, that's what they're doing now. That's what they're yeah, doing now. The yeah, new Alien movie is also going straight to Hulu. So Jesus. Fuck. Yeah. Well, because Disney owns it all, and Disney's just kind of trying to <laughs> put it on Disney there. Plus. You know what I mean? Well, it will be for me. <laughs> Yo, we that's... don't have Hulu. So in Canada, we don't have Hulu. So, so it's all on be, Disney I Plus? Can, yeah, 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 I can watch all That's my films on Disney Plus and all my Predator films on Disney Plus. And Holy shit, Plus. what a world. You can watch the fucking Book of Boba Fett 3 and the new Alien. <laughs> uh, all in one. Yeah, all in one, and baby. the new Chewbacca show that's going to come out at some point. You know what I mean? Still That's coming. Chewing. <laughs> Still Chewing? Is that the name of the show? Still Chewing? <laughs> And it'll be all about Lumpy. <laughs> oh yes, you thought I blew up, and then they, then three minutes later, they said I was alive. It's gonna, he's gonna talk, just talk normally in the show. He's and gonna, it's gonna be, be like a film noir. He's gonna, 
fucking chewy wearing a fedora. <laughs> He's smoking a cigar. Lumpy always was a disappointment of a son, but when a man's <laughs> child goes missing, a man's got to hunt him down. <laughs> forget forget about it, Lumpy. It's Tatooine. Anyways, as we continue to go off of the off of the rails, um, all of the things we talked about, I will have uh, in the show notes as to different articles where you can read them. And I definitely would recommend reading some of the Alien Covenant analysis, as they are real good. Uh, Was there anything in particular that you think that we missed off, or anything in your notes? Yeah, yeah. I'm really looking forward to the fact at the end of Alien, Ripley sings, um, you know, uh, My Little Star, right? Right. Which is from Singing in the Rain. And I really want to just watch that film, you know, and talk about it. Yeah. I mean, I'm down. I'm down. <laughs> I love, I love Singing in the Rain. It's yeah, it's a great fucking made. movie. It's a great, it's a great movie. fucking movie. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much we can get Alien stuff we can, you know, but, you know. Well, but that's the kind of thing, though. Does the six degrees of alien? They sing a song in alien. There you go. It's a, it's eligible. Really, the only thing holding us back is our own desires to to go into some bad stuff, right? <laughs> like just like there's mm. like it, the only thing really holding us back would be like if we were just like, well, I don't really want to watch <laughs> this ripoff movie from Japan, right? Like, which uh, sorry, Jason, you have no choice. I will make you watch. I am sure I'll be watching. Um, and it's you're my lucky star, not my little star. I, you know, right. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, a dummy, yeah. but, um, yeah, but. The, 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 you know, I knew what I was saying. All right. Yeah. You do the fingering. We'll I do the fingering. <laughs> Jason, uh-huh. where can they find you on this worldwide web? <laughs> Nowhere anymore what? since I deactivated my Twitter. <laughs> um, <laughs> so honestly here. Legitimately, I've always said that I don't care, don't ever find me, and that was like a running joke on the other podcast we did, which was, you know, the Riverdale podcast. Um, but really, actually, now you cannot find me anywhere. <laughs> I'm off the internet, so well, there you, um, That's fine. you know, That's there fine. I am. Um, so how this how this will be going forward is just for everyone to know. Uh, we will be covering like a direct. We're pro- trying to do two episodes a month, so we'll be covering something that is directly alien tied in which is like a comic book movie television show whatever that is directly from the alien universe and also covering like predator in there too because alien predators are basically the same universe at this point um but we will also be doing one episode a month um which is covering something that is like a tie-in uh anything that can be connected with the the six degrees and uh Sure. Jason, I I have uh, I have some stuff to uh, to to talk to you about. Um, uh, the first thing that we do, so I'm I'm gonna say it right now. I'm gonna tell you. No, like fuck, mean. God damn it! I discovered a pulp series the other day, and I and I picked up the pulp series, um, and it was called Steel, <laughs> and it's a RoboCop ripoff pulp series. Is this the is this the Shaquille O'Neal in it? No, no, oh. not the, no, 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 no. That's based off of a DC character. Thank you very much. No, this is like a pulpy, like, like looks like it. it, it no, none of them have more than like 150 pages for a poor story. And it's all this like very clear RoboCop ripoff. And it's just like this RoboCop soldier just doing, doing horrible things. Shooting people sure. in the dick. You sure, know, is that probably, like, oh, probably. Cool. Yeah. I do not know, but I discovered that it, but that the person who wrote it 
it was using a pseudonym. <laughs> okay, who is this person? Simon Hawk is the name. <laughs> I'm assuming that's the pseudonym because that's not. No, Kim. no, no, that's J- his real name. Yeah, J. J.D. Masters with the pseudonym. J.D. Masters? And um, Your name you is Simon something. Hawk, <laughs> and you change it to J.D. Masters? Well, Simon Hawk is his normal one. So I don't That's know a fu- that really... name rules. That's a superhero's name. Like, yeah, I don't know if, he's like, if these books are like extra shit, and that's why he like, uses the pseudonym. Yeah, <laughs> what is so... he doing? What does Simon Hawk do in the real world? No, he's a writer. Like he, he writes other stuff. What is Simon? Yeah. Tell me a title that Simon Hawk has written. Predator Two, the movie novelization. That's how it ties in. No, no, no. That's his JD Masters, though, right? No, that's oh. Simon Hawk. <laughs> so he, he did the, the shit he wrote is JD Masters is so bad. He's embarrassed to associate it with JD <laughs> Masters. <laughs> yes, or vice versa. Well, like vice versa, because like um, JD Masters only has these pulp stories, this <laughs> six this six series to his name, and all of the other works are done by his name. His Simon publicist Hawk. read those pulp stories and was like, "Listen, Simon, you cannot associate this with your name. I will not be any part of that. Go make a pseudonym, JD Masters." Well, I think because. So if you don't like it's who sounds like the name of a man who runs a public access fucking show about (laughs) (laughs) about 1980s noir movies. You know what I mean? I have three of these stories and I have more on the way. So I'll be getting a bunch of these and reading through some of them. I probably will. will, I'll only Mm. be talking to you about like the first entry in the series probably to you and when we do that because uh, they're hard to find so I found them uh, accidentally and stumbled upon them so uh, <laughs> you're welcome world this uh, podcast is reason... now renamed as the shit Andrew <laughs> finds in the fucking bin at the bottom of the I little library I didn't realize it was a connection like I had <laughs> so... just bought these and then I was looking it up and I was like oh Huck, Simon Hawk in the little library around the corner these are just stuffed <laughs> under some wet fucking newspaper <laughs> That was just down there to stop chipmunks from shitting on the books. You know what I mean? <laughs> Anyways, look forward to that. Um, and then uh, we are currently focused on uh, the the next one. The next ones will be on the the book that just came out, which was Alien Colony War. Yeah, I'm going to read that one. I'm not and reading J.D. Masters, I've, but I've I will read, read it. And I'm excited to talk about it because, yeah, so uh, so next next episode we'll be covering that book, Alien Colony Wars, and I'm very interested to see how you uh, think of it because you will have none of the context it's needed for. Uh, most of these are context. one and dones. Colony War yeah. is in a series, and I'm interested to see if it has any relevance to you, if you like it at all. So we'll see. <laughs> we shall see, yeah. That would be fun to talk about, but then yeah, and that, then after that will be me uh, regaling you the uh, the tale of steel, uh, <laughs> this amazing man, who hopefully uh, it's not too offensive that I have to say, oh, never mind. Uh, so we'll see. <laughs> well, so I think the reason why the pseudonym was chosen is because do you know about the executioner series? No. So the oh well, that's that's not a big surprise, but it's like this like this. <laughs> This, is that a dig uh, at me or the executioner series? No, it's that, that's a dig at the executioner <laughs> okay. series. Like it's a, it is a You seem series. like a real Jim Cameron to me. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking executioner series. <laughs> well, the executioner series is like there's like fifty of them, and they're all under the name of Don Pendleton, and they're it's like a it's like a bad James Bond ripoff where he just 
Gotcha. Got it. He, yeah, but that that has a bunch of different authors hopping in under that name, the, oh, the yeah. name Tom Pendleton. So I think J.D. Masters was probably like, oh, this this could go on. Simon was like, yes, this could be my money pit for the rest of my life. Steel. I would have other people come in and write steel. And... <laughs> Oh no! Okay, I'll just write the sequel. Scold Steel. Oh, no, you still okay? Savage Steel, also by me. Okay. okay. I'll guess I'll just go back to writing the Predators uh, <laughs> novelization. Predator two. I mean, I don't know. Somebody had to write the Predators no. novelization. Is that not Predators happened? does not have a novelization. Well, Hawk's working on it right now, my man. <laughs> I hope so. Simon Hawk is on the case. Is he dead? Let's check. <laughs> God, I hope not. He is 70 years old. He's still alive. Yeah, he's writing The Predators, you know? Oh, he wrote a bunch of Friday the 13th novelizations. Oh, sweet. He wrote Friday the 13th novelizations, and Steel is so bad. It couldn't be associated (laughs) with the good name of Simon (laughs) Hawk. Jesus. I can't wait to hear about these. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. All righty. Well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> you can always email us at uh, robuck.andrew at gmail.com if you have any commentary you would like to give. Nice. Thank you, and have a great day. Goodbye. Bye-bye.